On this episode of the B-Signal Podcast, Quentin Tarantino wants you to know that he knows what makes a movie star. We celebrate the life and legacy of Irene Cara. And I talk about the latest in theaters, including The Menu, Devotion, and Glass Onion. Welcome to the B-Signal Podcast, the podcast where filmmakers and fans talk about film and how it impacts our lives. I'm your host, B. Anthony. And now our feature presentation. And welcome to the B-Signal Podcast. I am your host, B. Anthony. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Glad that you made time to talk about film and how it impacts our everyday life. I am, again, excited to be doing this. Um... November is done (laughs) and December is here. I hope everyone had a great Turkey Day, Um, whatever you call the time where we get together and eat turkey and gather with friends. Some people call it Thanksgiving. Um, My friend just informed me that it's also referred to as low vibration day. Um, However you commemorate (laughs) The last Thursday in November, I hope it was great for you. Um, So let's jump right into it. So much happening in the news. There are a lot of angry people. Um, Well, let me be fair. There are a lot of people mad at Quentin Tarantino. And it wouldn't be Quentin Tarantino if people were not mad at him for something. Whether it's the use of the N-word, the exploitation of black culture, um, or just him as a person, you know. I personally don't have a problem <laughs> with Mr. Tarantino. I, I think he's a genius. I think he's one of the best writers to ever do it. Kill Bill is definitely in my top 10 films of all time. He's just, he's just movies and entertaining and fun and controversial. According to an article in Deadline, um, Quentin makes some very bold statements about the MCU because every director has something to say about the MCU. And granted, I'm a DC fan through and through, but my God, I remember growing up just looking at the popular kid, right? And, you know, either the popular kid was like stronger, faster, you know, uh, on the surface, just seemed like he had so much more going on than I did. And so... By default, it was easy for me to just crap on the popular kid, right? Because he's getting too much attention. There's nothing to him. There's no substance. You know, people just want him or want to be around them because pick a reason, right? And lo and behold, the popular kid wasn't doing anything to me but just, you know, living his life, right? And truth be told, when I interacted with the popular kids, they actually liked me and didn't have a problem with me. Um, and I feel like that's what's happening <laughs> with Marvel right now. Whether you like it or not, the studio has a formula. They get people in seats, right? Are their films perfect? No. Do they hit the mark every time? No. But I don't expect that from any movie that comes out. I don't expect that from any franchise. I think that expectation was killed with the Matrix franchise (laughs) when the first movie, perfect, right? And then the sequels, you know, they were what they were or they are what they are. But I don't 
think that anyone, any studio, um, can really make the claim that they have the filmmaking process figured out or unlocked. Maybe the only person that could potentially say that is Steven Spielberg, just because he's consistent and he's literally made every type of film that you could possibly imagine, right? That being said, Mr. Tarantino's perspective on Marvel films, uh, it's very, very intriguing. Uh, just like with Martin Scorsese and, and all these other directors that just has an axe to grind <laughs> with Marvel, I keep going back to like, what, what's the issue? Like, really, what is the problem? Is it that the movies are successful or that the movies are taken away from, are taking attention away from other types of films being made? I really want to understand this, right? Because at the end of the day, filmmaking is, it's a very competitive market, right? And that's the fun of it. You, you want to compete, you want to put your stuff out there um, and just see how the people respond to it. Not everyone responds to everything. That's what makes the world beautiful. We all have different thoughts, <laughs> different tastes, different whatevers, you know? So for every person who likes a Marvel movie, you know, someone might not care for Marvel at all and might not to be funny, just like only Quentin Tarantino movies. There, there, there's an audience for everything that's out there right now, especially now. There's so much that you can get into um, because of streaming and because of the, you know, what the box office is um, embracing. There's really no excuse for anyone to catch feelings or, or negative energy um, about filmmaking, period. I think it's an exciting time. I really do. I think for the first time in a long time, even before like inclusion and diversity became sexy words, what we have right now is just an opportunity to tell any story that we want to tell. That's just it. And I don't think that the day still exists where someone can honestly say, you know, this is what people want, right? Because people, you know, the term literally has evolved <laughs> in this country. And while, you know, diverse groups have always been here um, and have always, you know, been sprinkled throughout the history of cinema, I think now it's more exciting because we're not just being sprinkled. You know, you're not just dealing with black films or you know, films that come from India or films that come from the Asian market or films that come from the Australian market or films are coming from everywhere. And that's beautiful. And, you know, who's to say and, and you know, not to be dismissive towards Mr. Tarantino or Mr. Scorsese or even Mr. Uh, James Cameron, they are doing way better than me, and they definitely have achieved things that I'm only dreaming about achieving, and I will achieve. But it's just interesting to me, like, who really has the right to say what should be made, what should be seen, um, what should be celebrated, what should be canceled? 
the whole idea, in my opinion, about filmmaking, it's an opportunity to share your story in a visual medium on the big screen. That's it. So I say all that to say, um, Mr. Tarantino uh, thought it not robbery, as we say in the church, <laughs> to get his thoughts on, you know, Marvel and and when you when you look at the the whole statement in context, I think I understand what he was trying to say. Um, I'm gonna read the quote and then I'll give my thoughts. Um, part of the marvelization of Hollywood is you have all these actors who have become famous playing these characters. Tarantino said in an interview during uh, Two Bears, One Cave podcast, according to um, Mediate, but they're not movie stars, right? Captain America is the star or Thor is the star. I mean, I'm not the first person to say that. I think that has been said a zillion times, but it's like, you know, it's these franchises, these franchise characters that become the star. So if I'm looking at what he's saying on paper, it looks like what he's trying to suggest is that movie stars really don't carry the same weight or, the, or have the same draw for audiences, especially if you're following the Marvel model, right? So when you go see a Marvel movie, you're not going to necessarily see Scarlett Johansson. You're not going to see um, Robert Downey Jr. You're not going to see whomever, you know. What you are doing is supporting the character. That's what he's trying to say. And on some level, I get where he was trying to go with that, right? It's the whole IP being the star for the most part. Marvel has successfully made their IPs the draw. And it's brilliant. So that way, whomever plays the role, as long as they get the IP right, as long as they get the character and everything about that character correct, then, you know, on paper, they have enough to draw people to come and watch their film. And nothing's wrong with that. It's a method. <laughs> it's an option. It's a way to do this thing called filmmaking, right? But to say that, um, to make a statement like this and not really explain it out or, or to put it in proper context and to just make a generalized statement, um, I don't think it was the most responsible thing he could have said. But again, it's Quentin Tarantino, you know, Water's wet, as my friend says, you know, <laughs> you can only expect from people what they show you. And he's consistently one to talk fast and just to give a very definitive thought on cinema, because that is what he has literally loved all his life. And that's what he's educated himself with. He literally worked in a video store just to watch films all day, you know. So you're not going to find anyone, um, in my opinion, who's going to out-movie talk you like 
Quentin Tarantino. Okay? Now, his statement about Marvel not having movie stars. Well, clearly that's not true. That's not true. Um, you have Samuel freaking L. Jackson in your franchise. Samuel L. Jackson, one of the hardest working actors in Hollywood, period. The man is almost a million years old and he still is killing the game. That's an exaggeration. But my point is, is that he's been doing this for so long and he does it great. He does it well. And he still finds a way to be a part of the conversation. He finds a way to integrate himself into what's popular, but then he also makes or creates opportunities to tell stories that he wants to. That's a little bit more niche. Um, he collaborates with directors across the spectrum of filmmaking. So there's nothing that Samuel L. Jackson hasn't done, you know, that he can't give his opinion on. And with that in mind, he very much made it clear that, hey, Quentin, that might not be the best opinion to have. He, uh, he brought up Chadwick Boseman being a movie star, you know. Um, and again, I agree with him, you know. Marvel has movie stars. Jer Jeremy Renner, Scarlett Johansson, um, God, Robert Downey Jr., you know, who was already a movie star before any of his Iron Man success really took off. He, he had already solidified his legacy as a star, right? Edward Norton, things didn't work out, but Edward Norton is a movie star, okay? Now, if you're trying to make an argument about the draw that some of these movie stars have. Okay, I get that. On paper, no. A lot of these movie stars aren't going to draw people in for, you know, to support one movie. But what what movie star is really doing that today? I think that era has passed as far as if you put so-and-so in a movie, you're guaranteed to debut at this level and for those that it does happen for it's literally you can count them on both hands okay um then hollywood itself is evolving into something else to where there are a lot of actors performers stage uh, actors musicians they're they're becoming multi-hyphenates right so you have someone like a janelle monet who i'm going to talk about later who is a great performer an excellent singer and she can act and she did it in a way where she was able to take all of her talents and strategically integrate them so her music videos are very very Without any argument, are one of the most creative things I've seen, right? Um, whether she's, you know, has the whole Android thing going on or whether she's wearing those flower pants. Um, I, I love her creativity, but she's also creative enough and, and, and collaborative enough to work with other filmmakers or other projects and, and show that she can be an actor. I think that's where we are. You know, you have to get in where you fit in. Then you have someone like Ryan Reynolds, right, who's been acting forever. But now, along with his acting, uh, whether he's doing Free Guy, 
Deadpool, all those Netflix movies, great. But he has a lot of businesses that are working for him, right? So that's another evolution of the quote-unquote movie star. He has his cell phone company, The Gin. I think he has a marketing firm. Like, the man is doing great things. And yes, I would consider him a movie star, but I think he's one of the ones who's evolved it to be something beyond what we, quote-unquote, have identified the movie star to be. So I'm not sure, and I will probably have to listen to the podcast to hear the full conversation, but it's probably the same thing that a lot of people are saying about Marvel. Um, They're frustrated, they're angry that the popular kid keeps winning, right? What are you going to do? You know, you can either watch the popular kid or you can make your own way and, you know, be great on your own terms. You know, if if you're just going to speculate, that's on you. But don't get mad when someone who is, you know, changing the game and doing great things is winning. And that that's what you you're forced to kind of enjoy. So. That's my thought on Mr. Quentin Tarantino. Love him. Uh, Again, Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2. My favorite, uh, one of my favorite films of all time. Um, Or both are my favorite films. Both are in the list of favorite films of all time. So, um, yeah, I love everybody that's (laughs) involved in this. But I do think that as public figures, you have to really think things through um, before you say them. And even if you don't care what people say, you do have to also, at bare minimum, just make sure that what you're saying is being conveyed in a way that doesn't put you in a position where you're dealing with crap like this. Like, he could be doing so many other things, and he probably is. I don't know if he's even paying any attention, but... You know, it's one of the things that as entertainers, you just have to be careful, you know. So, anywho, I had a great weekend, um, as I was alluding to. I went to New York to see a great play. Um, It was the Michael Jackson play on Broadway. And let me tell you something. This was my first time seeing the play. Let's start there. I've never been to a Broadway play before, so I've only seen it on TV. I've heard others talk about it, Um, you know, what the experience is like, but nothing is is as amazing than seeing a show on Broadway. MJ the Musical, by far is one of the most immersive, celebratory um, performances I've seen. On stage, on TV, pick one. It's just awesome. The actors are are just... are are great. That's the best way I can say it. I don't want to get too much away, but let me just say the actor who's playing Michael um, Jackson, I believe his name is Miles. Uh, let me get the name right. Miles Frost. Okay. And he's from the DMV area. Let's just celebrate that. Right. That's very awesome. He just won the Tony 
and he killed this he killed this role i mean he just i felt like it was michael jackson on stage and not like in a mocking way but you can tell that he studied that he celebrates uh michael's career and his contribution to all things music the stage itself was amazing it was so creative how they were able to change the stage without pulling uh, audiences outside of the story and there were moments where i was like when did this when did the backdrop really change or where did those props come from and where did those lights come from you know but that it, it, it happened so smoothly you didn't pay attention or, or or notice the changes like that and that was amazing the singing was great the acting was great like i said the lights the the drama um my favorite performance in the entire well there were two moments stranger in moscow i love that song by michael jackson it doesn't get enough credit um it came out during the history era or post history but that song is just amazing um and i love the video um so i was surprised when they used it in the play because that was one of the ones where i was just like oh wow that's that's a great song i just wasn't expecting to see it i thought they were just gonna stick with all the things that were very popular um and then of course thriller so the way that i look at thriller uh my first experience was seeing the music video as a kid scared the crap out of me i understand and i, I saw a clip where they are re-releasing the video in 4k ah i can't wait to see it and yes i'm just gonna say this and i'm gonna move on whoever made the choice to cancel that chris brown performance and i think sierra was supposed to be on stage as well um all i'm gonna say is this you had no reason to do it you had no reason to do it and you know you you released a statement saying that shows you know change at the last minute all the time blah 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 but i can count on one hand uh not using all my fingers how many times you pull a tribute to an icon i it why did i do that at why would you do that chris brown was going to kill it but that's okay that's okay i understand it i get it no that's a lie i don't get it i don't understand it and i didn't like it but you know live your life god bless moving on um <laughs> So, you know, Thriller is just an amazing video and it opened so many doors not only for Michael but just for black music and just for music videos across the board. Now, when they did it on stage, they did a total like original piece with the song. And so the choreography that I'm familiar with, I'm going to say that I don't recall seeing it in that performance. But by the time it was done, I didn't want to see it. I didn't miss it. Like, and let me be clear. I honor that. I, I, I respect it. It is iconic. It is to be reverenced and celebrated. You know, all those things. But I also celebrate when you can take something familiar and known and do something new with it. And that's what this production did with that iteration of that song. Um, so I say all that to say, um, go see this play, the MJ 
um, experience. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, that being said, um, that means I went to New York to see this. And this was my first time taking a train to New York during the holiday season. And every time I go to New York, I've only been twice. This is my second time. I am just consumed by the city. The buildings are so freaking tall. No, wait, shut up. I felt like I was in that scene in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I forgot which verse that he, uh, university was in, but the you know there were certain skyscrapers and just things turned upside down. And he was just looking around. I felt like that in that moment, you know, when I came off the train. My mom was so cool um, because she was excited to be there. My aunt was excited. And, of course, my brother was excited to be there. We met up with my cousin, Bo. My mom, she is so funny. She kept calling out things like, oh, my God, I want to see that scene um, from The Devil Wears Prada. And I'm like, Mom, we're not doing this. She even said she wanted to see, go to Madison Square Garden <laughs> to see the scene or, or to reference the scene <laughs> when the baby Godzillas were, the eggs were all throughout the, uh, the garden. I'm looking at her like, first of all, no one likes that iteration of Godzilla. <laughs> No one. I think we're the only family that really enjoys it for what it is. But, like, no one is waiting with bated breath like, I have to see this movie, you know. But my mom was being great. I love her so much. I love my entire family. That was just a funny moment to me. Now, I did the same thing when we made it to Rockefeller Center and we got to the um, tree and then the ice skating rink. And my crazy mind went to uh, one of my favorite MCU uh, series, Hawkeye where they did the big fight scene um, on the uh, ice skating rink. Um, yeah, that's what I did. I, that's how I fanboyed out <laughs> as a, a film fan. But yeah, no. Uh, there was also a part of me that wanted to see um, a Grace from Beyond the Trailer. Um, I saw some of the movie theaters that she referenced, but that didn't happen. But, you know, no big whoop. Um, anyway, it was a great time in New York and I look forward to going back however when we go back I need to wear better shoes because it was a lot of walking that I was not expecting to do and I probably would want to see more plays so um yeah I had a great time in New York and that's that when I wasn't traveling or reading about Quentin Tarantino. That's right. I went to go see movies. So, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I saw Glass Onion. Wow. I saw <laughs> Daniel Craig play Benoit Blanc. I can't do the accent, but he gives me Falcorn Leghorn vibes. Uh, that accent that he does is crazy crazy cool and it's him right um so if i had to pitch the story in about a minute um blanc is invited on to solve another mystery um with a group of friends ones like this billionaire uh high-tech person and then one's a scientist one's a uh, an attorney, one's like a YouTube influencer, one's a, a fashion model, 
and one is kind of estranged from the group um, because of legal things that I won't spoil right now. But if when you see the movie on Netflix, because the movie's out of theaters now, um, you'll get to experience it. And it's so, 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 so good. If I had to compare this film to the first one, I don't know which one is better because they are unique in their own story journey, if that makes sense. Like what this cast was going for had less to do with money, quote unquote, and more to do... Well, well let me not do it that way. Both, of course, involved... Um, finances being part of the story but then you know with this one it wasn't as political but it did speak to influencers to uh ceos and you know your your mark zuckerberg types um it, it was very very right now as far as how the world is moving and the influence that you know one person can have on different spheres of our world whether that's political whether that's entertainment whether that's news and broadcasts this is what this one kind of explores a little bit more i don't want to go into deep details about who does what because i really think everyone needs to see it see it cold uh and just enjoy the ride i what i will say is that seeing it in the theater, you know, as long as they allow it, I have to see these films on the big screen because the way Ryan Johnson sets up his shots and, you know, the plot and the way the characters move and, and you know, just make the most of the screen, the location. Oh, Greece looks so beautiful. I wanted to go to Greece after seeing, but Greece is on one of my places to go. I, I, I love Greece anyway, but to see it on the screen, um, it just looked beautiful. So the first film, of course, was more, it had that Massachusetts, regal, old money vibe to it. This one is rich people on vacation. Look at it that way. Um, so yeah, saw it at the Alamo in DC. The food was great. I had a salad, uh, the ultimate garden salad is what I had at the Alamo. Um, popcorn. Tierra had uh, the pepperoni pizza, and that's all I'm going to say about her dining experience. All of it's well, but uh, there's a running joke that. We're going to see if this one thing happens again. If it happens again, then I'll come back and share that story. And I may have her on with me so that we can talk about what happened. But overall, the experience was great um, at the Alamo. So that was my Knives Out experience. And yes, go see the movie. It's worth every dime. Uh, definitely in my top 10 films that I want to celebrate when I look at my... Um, you know, when I rank all the films from 2022. Great. Then I went to go see Devotion with Jonathan Majors, where he plays a war pilot, um, a Navy fighter pilot in the Korean War. First of all, um, I didn't know what to expect um, when I went in to see this, right? The trailers look cool, but... It wasn't enough to say this is something I definitely want to see. But at the same time, I like Jonathan Majors. I think he 
literally is one of my favorite current actors that are out right now. And the way he's been moving has been amazing. And, and just diverse. He's done pretty much everything. I'm even excited to see him as Kang the Conqueror uh, in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And he's the big bad for the entire MCU. So I'm just curious to see how he's going to handle that, what he's going to do, um, and, and how he's going to make everyone's life exciting and scary and whatever else King is going to do. But going back to Devotion... Uh, I went into this cold not knowing what was going to happen. I quickly realized that this is based off of a true story. I love the story overall with this film. The pacing is slow. So depending on where you are with like films, historical films, and then uh, films that hinge their plot around the war, if you're mainly not into that, you may want to skip this one. However, I think the story is captivating enough. Uh, Jonathan Majors, really all the actors' performances are are good enough or, or excellent that if you go see it, I don't believe you will be disappointed. I really, really don't. So check that out. Then the biggest surprise was this film starring Ray Fiennes called The Menu. Again, Saw this at the Alamo, but this time I went to the Alamo in Crystal City, Virginia. I think this is my theater. I'm going to tell you why. The movie poster art, the way they have everything arranged going up the escalator, the bar, the booths to dine in, the theaters are so wonderfully laid out. And I feel like no matter which theater you go into, it's, it's just big. And I think that's awesome but most of all i have to give a shout out to the staff the staff was amazing they were beautiful people they were friendly um kind very engaging wanted to help uh i i loved that theater so i told tiara i was like we have to go back to that one this is our theater this is our theater this is our theater it was amazing so um shout out to the staff at the crystal city Alamo Draft House Theater. Okay, great. So I go in, again, get my Ultimate Garden uh, salad, popcorn, M&M's, and sparkling water. The movie, uh, so they always show promo videos leading up to the trailers or whatnot. So, of course, the food, the videos or films were very food-centric or what have you, so I enjoyed that. Uh, the Key and Pill sketch that they did where uh, Jordan Pill was getting um, a continental breakfast, but he was described <laughs> as if it was just this exquisite whatever was very, very funny. Anyway, the movie starts. So for those of you who don't know the premise, a group of food critics uh, visit this restaurant, Hawthorne, um, to, you know, review all these delicious creations that Ray Fine's character is creating. And then stuff just gets weird and scary. Pretty much they're locked in the restaurant and they're pretty much told that they're going to get killed off. Well, why would he do this? That is the joy of this film. It's not someone who's being crazy or, you know, um, like a sociopath um, or a psychotic just for the sake of doing it, right? 
Uh, this is a very creative way to talk about what happens when your job or the thing that you as- aspire to be becomes lifeless and, and, and it's missing joy. And when you can clearly identify the reasons why that is happening, how do you deal with that? And so from Ray Fine's perspective, he was uh, very frustrated with food critics um, who can, you know, easily rip apart chefs and people who create in this space. And, you know, while they're ripping them down, they're building their own name and they, you know, become kind of pious and, you know, snooty and they look down on those who, you know, quote unquote, don't meet their standards. So that's one character he's met at. You know, then there's another set of characters who have patronized the restaurant, but they don't take time to appreciate the food on the menu. You know, so that's another group that he's mad at. Uh, He's mad at... uh, People who are, you know, taking advantage or cheating their way through business ventures and who aren't being ethical. That's another group he's mad at. He got mad at an actor. Um, So this is a small spoiler, but John Leguizamo plays an actor in the movie and he lies to get into the restaurant saying that he knows this man and clearly he doesn't. But Ray Fiennes, you know, he's like, I'm going to get you because you made a bad movie that... You know, I wasted my time to see and I can't get back and then I'm going to kill your girlfriend. Um, and it seemed random, but when you really think about it, he was like, what school did you go to? And she was like, Brown. And he was like, do you have student loans? And she was like, no. And he was like, oh, you're going to die, you know. So it's kind of like he's taking care of the, the haves and, you know, n- not not to say that he's totally excused the have nots because the... Um, Margot character, um, she's the one where it's just kind of like, yeah, you're not supposed to be here. He kept saying that throughout the uh, movie, and by she, I mean Anya. Um, oh God, Anya Taylor Joy. Um, her character was a substitute for someone else that was supposed to be there, um, and she is the day for Nicholas Holt's character, Tyler, who's a food critic, you know. Um, but she is time enough for Ray Fiennes' character. And as scary as he gets, she, at least her character, let me do it that way, still finds a way to stay ahead. Uh, another cool character in the film is Elsa, who's kind of like the, um, the hostess, the one that checks everyone in. And yeah, she was scary to me, but she was also so entrancing and so entertaining. I loved everything about her performance. I think she should get an Academy Award nomination. That's just me. But, you know, maybe I'm too easy to please. But I loved her in this movie. I loved her in this movie. Um, And I loved the entire cast. Judith Light was in this. Every time I see her, I just think, lady, you are awesome. (laughs) Like, seriously, what haven't you done? And you're still working. You're just, you're, you're amazing. Okay. Um, So that's another film. Go see the menu. Uh, See it in theaters if you can. Um, I don't want to say too much about it, but there's a big mystery element to it. It's scary at times. It's funny. Then it goes back to being, you know, scary, then thrilling. Um, And, yeah, make sure you uh, check out that movie.
So, as I was uh, riding up to, as I was driving, as I was riding the train to New York, my brother, like, uh, gets my attention and he says, hey, your favorite singer died. And I'm like, who? You know, and he said, Irene Cara. And I'm like, oh, that sucks so bad. Um, so on Saturday, um, it was reported that she passed. Uh, I don't believe they revealed the cause of death yet, but, you know, thoughts and, and condolences and prayers to the family, uh, friends, loved ones, and anyone who was connected to uh, Irene. She... Without a doubt, she did Sparkle, she did Fame. I believe she was in the TV series for Fame. Um, she won the Academy Award for uh, Best Original Song, uh, What a Feeling, for Flashdance. She's an icon. She's an icon. Well, Brian, I've never heard of her. No, but her songs um, and her performance still live on. Um, there's a scene in I Know What She Did Last Summer where one of the beauty queens is singing um thing you know and then um oh god what's the movie um oh god with molly shannon and she plays uh the the unpopular girl with the glasses uh she sings out here on my own so you know you don't have those moments superstar uh love that movie too you don't have those moments without going back and acknowledging um, that it originated or started in some part with Irene Kerr. I appreciate the joy that she always brought whenever I heard her songs. Um, you can just play What a Feeling Now. It's soulful. She has conviction. And you believed every word that she was singing. Okay. Um, I feel the same way whenever I watch her sing out here on my own um, in fame, the movie, seeing her play the piano and, and, and give every bit of emotion to each lyric that she utters is amazing. Okay. They've tried to capture that with the remake of uh, fame. I didn't see it and I don't want to talk negative about you know, anything related to that film. But I will say that the original fame is so special. Like, it's literally like capturing, you know, lightning in the bottle, what they were able to do. You were able to follow literally about an ensemble cast, right? And all these storylines happening and you cared about each character. Leroy was my favorite character in fame, by the way. Um, I wanted to be Leroy. I wanted to <laughs> come in with the trench coat and the like, the short shorts, the crazy hat and the afro and like dance the way that he was dancing. That was perfect. That was perfect. And then when his friend got mad that she didn't get into the school, you know, all of that, I remember seeing that for the first time and loving the film immediately, right? Uh, it's just iconic. And Irene Cara is iconic. I'm going to miss her. Um, and again, prayers to her and her family. So 
With that in mind, uh, we're going to bring this episode of the B-Signal podcast to an end. Thank you so much for listening. Listen, this Saturday, December 3rd, a special episode of the B-Signal podcast is going up. I have something to say. I have something to share. And I want you, uh, I want to share with you first, my family. So uh, be sure to um, listen, to hear what I have to say, to hear my big news. I may have some friends on with me. We're going to chat it up first and then I'll do the big reveal. <laughs> All right. Um, if you have any questions about the B Sigma podcast, you can reach out to me on Instagram at B Sigma podcast. That's the letter B Signal podcast. Um, you can go to my website, bsignalpodcasts.com. You can also email me at bsignalpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know how you feel about the show. Let me know your thoughts. Um, and if you want to come on the show, if you want to you know, pitch an idea or a topic, throw that at me. And I will be more than happy to uh, do it now, as long as it's not anything crazy or like, you know, questionable. Um, <laughs> I will definitely consider doing it. All right. In the meantime, have a great day, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this. Just make it great. Um, and yeah, I will see you next time.